Hello, and welcome to Drag Time with Hecklina. Uh, we have somebody very exciting joining us on the podcast uh, today, but first, thank you for the tips. A few bucks from just a few people every month help us to be sure Mark can keep our show going. We can be found uh, as Drag Time on both Venmo and Cash App. Just visit our website, dragtimewithhecklina.com, to find out all the ways you can support us. Now, tonight, he is a creator of clubs and a producer of stage and screen. I think they call him a media mogul. If you don't know, he's... (laughs) If you don't know, he's... I have not introed you yet. Hold on. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Okay. If you don't know, he's the creator of the Notorious Slide Bar on the Bowery, and he started the D-List, a.k.a. Daniel's List. He's produced more than a 1,000 events and acts, some as widely varied and enormously talented as Liza Minnelli, Nina Hagen, Alan Cumming, Peaches, Joan Collins, John Waters, Cheetah Rivera, Bridget Everett, Dina Martina, and uh, some of the people who have already been on Drag Tem that you know very well, Justin, Vivian Bond, Amber Martin, and Margaret Cho. Noise Magazine said about his events, you have not done New York nightlife until you've done Nardiccio. Give it up for Daniel Nardiccio. Hi. Oh, my God. That is such a great intro. I'm honored. Seriously. <laughs> you didn't write that? You have the pod. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it because your podcast has everyone that I love on it, from Justin Vivian to Anna to Bianca, all of them. I love them oh. all. Oh, thank honored. you. Thank you. Do you remember how we met? So I remember that you came to an event in New York that I was doing, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that didn't do so well. Oh, Am I right? no. Well, no. How we met was I, I stayed in your apartment in Williamsburg. Uh, you and Justin Bond oh. lived together. And, oh. I, and I was just starting to do Tranny Shack and Hecklina. And, um, and you guys lived together, and you had a fabulous July 4th party on your rooftop. I don't know if you were there, but oh for my, my God, Formica really? was the, yeah, Formica was there, and a bunch of other people. And um, but I did meet you briefly, but I think you were already really busy in the, doing the New York thing. And I, I'm sure I you don't an have a memory then. of it. I was oh, an actor okay. then. So I was kind of like Justin and I lived together. We moved here together. Actually, I moved here from Berlin and. Justin from San Francisco, but I don't remember that. That's so crazy because we had very different lives back then. Like she was doing the whole nightlife thing and I was kind of doing the actor thing. Yeah, I remember that. And then years later, yeah, years later it dovetailed, yeah. Yeah, so, and then I did see you a couple years later. It was it was an after party. It was um, the Tranny Shack movie played in the film festival in New York and we had an after party at the Slipper Room. Um, yeah. yes, that Darcy hosted with me and I, and I yeah. met you, I saw you there and actually Alan Cumming and Cindy Lauper were there. Were you with them? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Alan's like my bestie. Yeah, totally. Oh God. It's so weird how I meet Alan everywhere in the world. Like everywhere I go, he seems to be there or at least before the, in, in the before times. So <laughs> he manages to like do everything. It's amazing yeah. actually to watch. He's really pretty incredible that way. No, he's a great guy. Oh, he's um, a good guy. And he also loves like nightlife, but also the the bigger world of like, you know, film stuff. And he's kind of all over the place. It's kind of incredible to watch. Yeah. Um, well, you have a, a large collection of fabulous people under, you know, that you've worked with. 
I'm, I'm sure this will be a huge shock to you, but as a gay man, I'm a big fan of Liza Minnelli. <laughs> and, uh, and of course her oh, mother. Really? Yes. And of course, and of course her mother. But so you recently had the 75th birthday of Liza. You produced yeah, it in March. Yeah. Love letter to Liza. Yeah. So can you tell us or tell me specifically, do you have any fabulous Liza stories? Well, you know, the weird thing about Liza is that everyone that is around her has that incredible story. You know what right. I mean? Like she gives everyone, she's that person that kind of makes you feel like you got that Liza Minnelli story. So mm. she was on Fire Island seven years ago, eight years ago. I did a show where they're there and she and I were leaving the island. She was there for five days. And then we left the island. We were getting on a boat. And everyone came out on the dock. And they were, like, chanting. And all these gay guys came out. And everyone was screaming her name. And she was, like, so excited about it. We got on a boat. And she turned to me and she said, my mother created a monster. Uh-huh. And I yeah. don't remember. Like, I remember thinking, like, what does that mean? Like, that you're a gay icon or that, you know, whatever. I wasn't really sure, but she always gives everyone I know, like a Liza Minnelli moment. She reached around and grabbed my arm and started singing and mm -hmm. people were going crazy. Liza's just uh, a really special, alive, interesting person that I don't think there'll ever be another person like her. Well, you know? it's yeah. I mean, I mean, can you imagine the baggage of your whole life being Judy Garland's daughter? You know, and yeah, um, and exactly. you know, it's just like Judy Garland is this mythological figure now. You know, um, and probably, and she also surpassed yeah. it. She yes. went further than Judy. Yes. You know, that's right. pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, it is incredible. Uh, and it's it's kind of weird. Like, why not Lorna Luft? Nobody ever talks about Lorna Luft. <laughs> Lorna like, Luft has the talent, though. She, mm -hmm. uh, I did a show with her, and she's incredible, but she doesn't have that it factor. Right. It's so weird. You know what I mean? Like, Liza was, like, truly a star. Lorna is truly a singer. Yeah. Eliza's an amazing singer. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Lorna really had that, like, thing where she could sing, and she was, like, studied and interesting – but Liza has that thing where you're like watching it thinking like, what's going to happen? And right. it was so exciting to watch her. Yeah. I mean, just she had it. She was such the it girl at that moment that, you know, of course, we know her peak, like cabaret, that whole in the 70s and Liza with the Z. And but yeah, she's 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 only she's one of only a few women left who are these legends you know and they're well, all getting to yeah. that age now so um all but it's amazing yeah. dying yeah i know well so we have tina we have liza we have barbara we have uh bet midler and you know those are all people who well they're not oh and cheetah, Cher, of course. yeah Carol, oh my god tell me know, about cheetah tell me about cheetah cheetah is the, one of the best people you ever want to meet like cheetah is the funniest sweetest she's also older by like 15 years than Liza, but she's so alive and vital. I think Cheetah like made the right choices in life. You know, she's not a mess and not to say that Liza's a mess, but Liza's, you know, she's Liza. And <laughs> Cheetah is. <laughs> the scary part is when you say that everybody knows what you mean. I mean, yes. I mean, yeah. Liza, Liza lived a very difficult life and Cheetah is 
oh, Cheetah's like, you know, uh, it was a year and a half ago I had dinner with Cheetah, and we're sitting there, and you just think, like, this woman, I, I mean, I was watching In Cold Blood, the film that was filmed, like, you know, many years ago about this murder. Truman Capote wrote about yeah. it. Oh, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were showing a scene where they were driving into a parking lot. It was in black and white, and they still had, like, in uh, Tahoe, I think, or Reno, a sign that said, Cheetah Rivera tonight. And I thought, she did performances back when films were still black and white you know what i mean she was performing it's insane and she's so incredible yeah i saw her yeah i saw her at the fairmont in a really in a tiny little room in san francisco and she was incredible um you know a long time ago i remembered having this conversation with you you know little things stick out with me but I was trying to book Nina Hagen for something, and oh, while and, and while yeah, and while I was while I was <laughs> while I was trying to book her, she went through a succession of managers. Like while like in a week or two, while I was trying to work with her, yes, and, and Barbara, fi- and fi- Mabel, yes, yes, all of and, them. and and yeah, and, yeah. Fi- and finally, the person I was working with was like I think her hairdresser or some weird like that's who her manager was, and and yeah. and finally finally they were like you know what I'm done I'm sorry, so yeah. I rem- I remember having a conversation with you where you booked Nina for some, maybe it was in New Orleans or something. And she said, she said she would not, she had her period or something. Yes. I had to go buy pot. Yes. You had to look for pot. I was like (laughs) running around on a bike, on a bike, asking people to buy pot for Nina Hagen. Uh, (laughs) It was insane. She was, she's like uh, Liza like the punk version, you know what I mean? Right. Like she's alive and interesting and vital and so talented, but kind of has that thing and you can't really deal with it. I remember after we did that show in new Orleans, the next day, a friend of mine said, Oh my God, you were so great. And she's like, well, I just sang to the monkey gods. Yeah. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? She's like so nuts, but I love Nina. Well, I she was with her yeah. again in a heartbeat. She was so out there. I mean, forty years ago, she was already like UFOs and all this stuff. Exactly. And yeah. Um, yeah. so, I think she's she's starting to go towards this. Other, she's gotten so far to the other side. She's now turning, I think, conservative is what people are saying, or well, whatever. She was I don't hoping about about uh, HIV, where she thought that HIV wasn't really. Uh, virus and she had that whole crazy period but my whole thing is i can separate the artist from the crazy you know you have to if you work with them right it's very important because yeah yeah. because i'm 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 not gonna like i I posted something about being a fan of nina hagen and i was getting all these comments i'm like look it doesn't change the fact that she was so revelatory for me and life-changing when i was a teenager you know it doesn't change the history of who she was so uh, there's this whole tendency to cancel somebody immediately and no longer be able to enjoy their music or their art. And I just don't understand that. If you look at her book, That's Why the Lady is a Punk, it came mm-hmm. out like a few years ago. Like her looks were 10 years before Madonna or someone else. Like her looks were so engaging and incredible and edgy and interesting. But like she doesn't get the credit for it. Right. No, yeah. I know she's she's very underrated. Yeah, um, totally, I agree. Okay, and so oh, and gorgeous, yeah, and yeah. oh my god, her her daughter Cosma Shiva. Have you seen pictures of her? Uh, not in her, years, no. Okay, her daughter is a gorgeous. Now she's her daughter's like a supermodel in Germany. She's really like stunning. I didn't know that. But, yeah, wow. Yeah, Let, let's talk about being a club owner in New York City. 
post-COVID, what are you most looking forward to when you can move to at capacity um, for your parties? Staying home. <laughs> I don't really love being at the bars anymore. You understand, right? Like I kind of love the idea that the guys that are working with me now are younger. And I say, you guys stay and I'm going to go home and watch Golden Girls. Which, by the way, I know you love. <laughs> I love it, of course. So you become you've you become that gay where that person where you're at home and you you have do you have like cameras on at your parties and you can see everything no, and I've never like, done that and I don't want to do that because I don't like the idea of cameras at parties. I think it's really invasive. Sure, I like the idea of trusting my staff and being at home and knowing that they have it under control. And the guys that work with me have worked with me for years, so they know what I like, how I like it, and sort of how to do it. But the idea of, like, me looking at one of those creepy cameras, like one of the ones that they show, like, on the news when someone robs a liquor store. Yes, exactly. It's not my thing. I get it why bartenders or or bar owners do it, but it's just not my Mm -hmm. thing. I like the idea of, like, having guys that work for me for years and understand what I want, and they, you know, do it. But right. I want to be home now. I'm going to be 55. The idea of being at home a lot is great. COVID has really, unfortunately, trained me to like like being home. And, you know, the idea of going to Brooklyn to hear some cute guy DJ is a horrifying idea to me now. <laughs> All right. So that's one thing that I can definitely uh, agree with you on. So a couple, so my drag, I, I know you don't do drag, but drag for me during the pandemic has been just from the chest up, you know? And, yeah, of course. Uh, like all the girls and, now, yeah. Yeah, incredibly easy. And then a couple of weeks ago, I was hired to do a private party here in Palm Springs, and I had to put everything on, the hip pads, the pantyhose, the shoes. Oh, and The I shoes was, are the worst. Yes. And I was so exhausted the next day. I was like, fuck. And so getting back to uh, my level of busyness pre-COVID, it's going to be really difficult. How is anyone going to do it? I mean, honestly, I like we're so used to doing like four or five nights a week. Years ago, I lived in Berlin, and I remember there was a year I wrote my diary every night, and every night I went out doing something, a movie, this, that, whatever. Now it's like I think I had a friend over earlier, and I was like, you got to go. And he's like, why? I said, because I'm going to do this podcast. I don't talk this much. You know, <laughs> I'm not true. used to talking I mean, yeah. this much. Yeah, I mean, well, of course, we were younger, and I, I felt like I wasn't missing out if I didn't go. I, I felt like I was missing out if I didn't go out every night. Now, now, if I go to Target, that's a busy day for me. You know, so it's, it's, um, I'm trying to figure out the balance, which is uh, it's like going to the gym. You know, once right. the clubs open up again, and I'm able to do what I do, I'm going to have to be there for some of it. So it's going to be like, go for a little while and get yourself back into it and eventually get to the point where you can do it more. But I don't think I can throw myself into it. I mean, I was at Fire Island on the weekend mm-hmm. setting up my house there. I have this little inn out there and I have to like, you know, schlepping stuff around. I was like, <sighs> I was like, this is exhausting and talking to people and getting off the boat. And everyone's like, Hey girl, Hey girl. And you're like, Oh, all these people. It's really hard. It's going to be hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. 
when I and when I go out in public, it's always the same question. How how do you like Palm Springs? How do you? I was like, stop asking me that. Okay. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. So I want to talk to you about um, how you got involved with Playgirl way back in two thousand and eight. Oh You convinced yes. uh, you convinced Levi Johnston the former fiancé of Bristol Palin and the father of Bristol's child to pose for the publication. How did that yes. all come about? Well, my friend Danny worked for Playgirl, and he asked me if I wanted to start throwing parties for them. So we would go all over the country in the Playgirl van throwing these, like, ridiculous parties in, like, Denver and Maine and all these places to promote it. And it was fun, but I kind of wanted more out of it. So I said, why don't I, like, work – doing more of the marketing. So they eventually made me VP of marketing, which meant nothing really. But I kind of thought for my first gig, I want to do something big. And, you know, Levi Johnson was in the news and I sort of like, he was on Andy Cohen's show and was talking about how he would consider doing porn or something like that. I remember hearing about it. Uh So I just looked him up and it was a little bit like when I booked Liza Minnelli, people said, how did you get Liza Minnelli to do Fire Island? It's like, I asked her. Right, right. And that's with him. I basically looked him up. I figured out that he was managed by this guy named Tank, believe it or not. And, oh my God. and I somehow found Tank, who was like a lawyer, I think it was, in Alaska. And so I found him and I called him and I booked him. And it was kind of uh-huh. that easy. Yeah. And and that was, you know, it's like kind of my motto in life has been if you, you can't, what is it, a closed mouth never gets fed. So I just asked a lot. Yeah, well, he's definitely, I mean, he's hes cute in a straight, douchey kind of way. Um, do you think totally. that he would be, yeah, totally, which is my favorite kind of, you know. I oh, love, yeah, I love, trade. I love the straight douche bad guys. Sorry, Mark, I, I know it's not your, not, not your <laughs> cup of tea. But, um, but what was he like in person? Do, do you think he would be gay for pay? I do not, but I will say this about him. I hung out with him a lot and he had like that star quality. I will say that about him in person. He has like a real aura that like, you know, I saw him like we went to an award ceremony and he went up on stage and he's shy and adorable, but like, yes, he's cute and he's kind of douchey and he was very uncomfortable around gay guys. I went to Alaska to shoot uh, Kathy Griffin's show mm-hmm. and where I show them the magazine. It was like, you know, the, my life on the D-list thing. And, and she was talking about how uncomfortable he was with gay people and how she was trying to get him more comfortable with gay people, which made me love her, by the way. But uh-huh. um, he definitely had this thing about him where he was, you know, that it quality. He kind of had it a little bit. And I was kind of mm-hmm. a little surprised. Um, nice guy. Fine. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not, oh, spe- has- not necessarily that special. No, no, I know. Uh, well, it was, it's just because of who we fucked, you know. Um, hello, yeah. Yeah, hello. Uh, so, well, you know, <laughs> you, you said a, a closed mouth never gets, you know, like you you do, you ask people and they say yes. But for uh, for a lot of people, when they ask people like Liza Minnelli or whoever, or Cheetah Rivera, they don't say yes. Like, I, I remember there was this guy who owned a venue in Provincetown. I, I, I don't really know, but he was, he was going to get Liza to perform there and it was a big deal. And, you know, and then she didn't, she canceled at the last minute. So, and of course he was, you know, so it is, you must have a special way of communicating with people for them. Well, you, to, don't, you don't um, ask too soon. You understand you own the bar, right? You don't ask right. when you're like, you know, uh, when you're not at that place where you can provide and do the right job. Like, and so, you know, I had gotten to a point where I had already started doing shows, you know, I started doing little concerts at Feinstein's and I started working with 
you know, different people. I got to a point where I, was, I kind of built up to it. A lot of times people reach out to me and they're like, I want Liza to do, uh, they'll reach out to me, of course, because they think I can get, you know, her. For them, right. and they'll go, I want her to do like my bar mitzvah, you know, and stuff like that. Oh. Something like that. Or, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you don't understand. You got to, you know, to build your way up to it. So I don't mm-hmm. do it. I usually kind of am ready when I ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm a fun, I have a fun way of asking. Um, but I, yeah, I think that it's about waiting. My big get I've been trying to get for years is Shirley Bassey. And I had a proposal to her, you know, for her to do Carnegie Hall. And, you know, she said no. And, you know, then she was kind of interested again. Now she's going to be doing a series of concerts, which they haven't announced yet. Oh, she's oh my God. Really? Okay, so I, I want to tell you there are a couple of things that I regret in life. One is never seeing Tina Turner live. And the oh. other thing, and the other one is Shirley Bassey came to San Francisco about 20 years ago and played the Davies Symphony Hall. I somehow flaked on it, didn't get tickets, and it was, of course, the best concert ever. So I want to see, my wish is to see Shirley Bassey. And I was convinced that she was like Tina, like never going to tour again. But No, but she's she doing a few dates, yeah. Where? Uh, New York, I know, London. She has a new album coming out. And I think the people that do are doing the album are going to do three dates. They called uh, They called me about it because we've been talking about doing something. Uh-huh. Shirley and I, and the guy, we became friendly. And he was like, oh, you'll die. She's going to do New York. So I'm excited about that. I'll let you know oh when I get God. more details. Can I yeah. ask you to please keep me posted about details? Absolutely. Well, it's so because, funny because yeah. a few years ago when we were talking about doing the show Carnegie, I was like um, – so excited about it, but then she didn't really want to do it. And, you know, it was a lot for her to do a big show. So all of a sudden right. one day I'm at my office around the corner here and I get this phone call saying, Shirley Bassey's doing a show tonight in New York. Do you want to uh, come as her guest? Because okay. I guess she was being polite. Mm-hmm. I ran home, put on a suit and I went, got, went in the backstage. And then she was about to go on stage. It was at Cipriani. She was doing an Anfarb thing. It was only like three numbers. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there by the dressing room. Whoopi Goldberg on one side of me, Sydney Poitier on the other. Oh wait, was it Sydney? Yeah, I think it was Sydney Poitier. And and she comes out, goes on stage. Those three numbers was better than. I mean, at eighty something was just like so incredible. And right. Whoopi's grabbing my arm, saying, "This is amazing." It's like I'm trying to do a show with the Carnegie Hall. And Whoopi, who I don't really know, I mean, I've met her a few times. She goes, let's do it together. Oh, like, yeah. I'll produce it with you. So I was like so excited, but you know, surely didn't want to do it. And I don't know what she's going to do now, but I'll, I'll let you know. I'll find out for oh, you. Oh, please do, because I'll hop on a plane to, to New York City in a heartbeat to see her. Yeah, I'll try to get a block of tickets because they contacted me, which was very nice to say, uh-huh. we're sorry it didn't work out, but you know, she's going to do these things. So I'll find out and try to get a few tickets because it's oh, going wow. to be, as the kids say, a gagger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a, a lot of people that I would travel that distance to see, but definitely she's one of them. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm so glad that she came up in this conversation. <laughs> well, it's funny because years ago, the press called me the Wizard of Was uh-huh. because I was working with Cheetah, Carol, and Liza, which, you know, is I love it. It's sweet to be called the Wizard of Was, but it's also kind of like you don't want to tell people that you're working with in the future that you were called that because they sound like has <laughs> But she but these, was the yeah. holy grail. Surely these, was the yeah. holy grail. 
these people are not has-beens, you know, because there there are people in in San Francisco and uh, and elsewhere who do work the oldies circuit. You know, they have people at the tail right. end of their careers. But when you're talking about Liza Minnelli, I mean, she is like, you know, you can't really say that's a has-been. She's just always lies so on this legendary yeah. thing. And yeah. Shirley, too, and all that stuff. So, oh, yeah. And Carol. I mean, Carol was amazing. Tell me about working with Carol Channing. She's a stage animal. That's the thing I will say about her. She had me right before it was just, I, I decided to pair her with Justin Vivian Bond because I thought it would be interesting having like the young sort of the younger cabaret performer with Carol. Mm-hmm. And right before we went on stage, like I had the stage set up uh, with two chairs. They were going to talk. Justin did a show. Uh, Vivian, excuse me. Vivian did a show. Uh, we lived together years ago in San Francisco, so I still think of, of Viv as uh, Justin. Of course. And yeah. um, we had, you know, we had two chairs set up. Just uh, Viv had just done uh, the cabaret show, uh, like sort of opening. And right before we were about to do it, Carol says, uh, I can't do her voice, or I would. She said, do me a favor, move her chair down about five feet, like downstage. And I said, really? Five feet? Because then they wouldn't be side by side. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, honey, move her chair down like five feet. I was like, okay. I went down there and did it. It was because the entire show, Viv would have to be turned looking up at Carol. But Uh Carol could look out to the crowd. It was so Uh manipulative. And so at one point, Viv says to Carol, I noticed you had my chair moved downstage so the audience only sees the back of my head. And Carol goes, well, that's your best feature, honey. Oh, shit. What a read, right? That's, yes, that's a tell. I, I actually just saw a clip of Carol Channing talking about Tallulah Bankhead, which was so uh, such a read, too, um, which people, yeah. people want to see. They can find it on YouTube. Yeah, Carol Channing, I mean, that's definitely somebody who uh, I never – I saw her in Hello, Dolly. That's, a, that's all I ever got to see her in. But she was, you know, she never missed a show, which was amazing. She was incredible to deal with. And I love that she had this weird sort of reverence for the producer, which a lot of people don't. And she would go, boss man. Like she would call me the boss man, which I thought was so sweet. You know, Um, Uh she was just a lovely old lady who was obviously, she's so larger than life. Like her entire face, everything about her was larger than life. It was incredible. Um, certain people are born for it. You know what I mean? And she was one of those people. Yeah, she definitely, it definitely is, uh, like, like almost like against all odds because she never had any of those things that people, that casting directors look for, but somehow she was still a star, you know, she was way too tall and gangly and strange and somehow that all worked for her. And they all married gay men. (laughs) Well, not maybe not all of them, but Liza married gay men primarily, and Carol married a few gay men, which I didn't realize until someone uh, in her crowd told me that she married a lot of gay men, which I thought was interesting. Liza married two gay men, right? Um, Peter Allen and and then that guy, David something. David Guest? What was the Yeah, that's right. I don't. Maybe it was only two. Oh, okay. Maybe it was only two. That's enough. That's enough gay. gay That's enough gay. Yeah, exactly. It's more than I'm married. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a gay man. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my god. Well, like like mother, like daughter. I think Judy had a couple of gay boyfriends and husbands. I think Vincent Minnelli. Vincent Minnelli himself was a was a big queen. I think. 
Oh, totally. But why? Yeah. You think like why would they like marry gay men? It must be the ultimate frustration to have to be married to someone who doesn't want to fuck you. Sorry, I don't know if I can curse, but you can. You can curse. Okay. Some, I don't know. Like, like, yeah. like, that doesn't want to fuck you. I mean, I understand you want people that adore you, but at the same token, like, do you want to be with someone who doesn't want to fuck you? It doesn't seem interesting to me. But you know, gay men are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and some gay men can do it. I, I just can't do it. I couldn't right. even pretend. I couldn't pretend. All right, so we're almost at the tail end of our podcast, and I, I have the most important question of all for you, Daniel Nardiccio. What is your favorite <laughs> memory of Hecklina? I really enjoyed hanging out with you when I was doing the show with the Castro with Alan. I felt yeah. like we didn't really get to see each other, but like it's. It's. I have a weird relationship with San Francisco because I live uh-huh. there, but it's a really hard time of my life. Like I moved there, I think in '89. I left for Berlin in like '94, and it was a really hard time. Like a lot of people from San Francisco, like Jerome. Do you remember Jerome? Of course. Yeah, and there were people that died. Yeah, a lot of people died that I that I liked. But I was a shyer person, and so San Francisco was hard for me. Everyone was getting sick. It was a really bizarre time. So a lot of people I met during that period, I don't really remember. I think I blocked it out. But then when I I go back now, it's like hanging out with people – like yourself, where I where I go, oh gosh, you know, you're yeah, we're of like minds, you know, doing yeah, the same yeah. thing but in different places. You or Peaches, who I adore. Uh-huh. Um, I just love that you guys are doing it. It's always been weird to me the difference between New York and the West Coast. Like the yeah. drag queens are different, the 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 art is different, everything's so different. Um, but there I love that there are people on the other side of the continent doing incredible stuff yes like you well thank you uh well i you know we've come to the end of the podcast uh that on, on that note and if you want to find daniel nardiccio keep up with his work check out his website danielsbigideas.com or find him on daniel nardiccio on facebook and the underscore daniel nardiccio on instagram um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Hecklina. If you love us, please show it. Subscribe to the show, like us, rate us, and please tell anybody you can about Drag Time with Hecklina. And finally, thank you, Daniel Narduccio, once oh. again for being on the show. Thank you so much. This has been great, really. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Don Draper, Davenport, for asking me as well. <laughs> and I cannot wait to party with you in, in the real world. Thank you, guys. Thank you.